Hello, welcome to episode 17 of Mixtaping Identity. I'm your host, Shane. My guest this week is the legendary Josh Earl. Yes, thank you so much for joining me for the 17th case of Mixtaping Identity. My guest this week is comedian and podcast host Josh Earl. Um, again, another one for the origin story of me getting into Australian comedy. Uh, obviously, Josh's podcast, Don't You Know Who I Am, is legendary. Um, so it was an absolute treat to get him on the show. And yeah, again, another playlist that, that overlaps quite a lot with, with my taste in music. So it was an awful lot of fun. If you're new to the show here, this is your first time listening, then just to make you aware that the playlist is released ahead of the podcast. We release those on Mondays and then the podcast on Thursdays. So you can go check that out ahead of time. Um, go and follow us on the socials, on Instagram, at Mixtape and Identity, and you can see all the details there and find the lists on Spotify. I'll be back at the end of the show, but for now we'll get into episode 17 of Mixtape and Identity with Josh Earl. How often do you actually listen to music at the moment? Every day, yeah. I'd listen every day. Uh, if I'm washing up at the gym, oh, it's always music, yeah. Walking walking to pick up my kids from school, it's like five minutes from my house. It's like, cool, I'll go, <laughs> listen. I'll listen to a song. Yeah. 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 No, I'm, the, I'm the same, can't, ha- can't have any silence. No. Not allowed. Not, not your thoughts, <laughs> awful. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, when you have a little bit more time then if it's not just one song are you typically going for albums or you listen to playlists or what's the sort of go-to typically it used to be more albums but now I've kind of gone like I know it's especially in the last week it's been very bad that people have Spotify accounts but it's how I listen to most of my music it's very accessible yep. and also I've spent yep. thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on music in my life I feel like you know what I can I can justify <laughs> listening to this for free um, I <laughs> Uh, and then what I'm doing now is more playlists. So choose an artist I like and listen to that radio of that artist, and that's how I discover new bands and stuff like that. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're actively trying to find new music. Yeah, I really like discovering new bands. It's always that thrill of you know going, oh great, and then you realise there's like four albums they've released, and you're like, oh cool, it's something new I can go in their back catalogue. Oh perfect. Yeah. Um, so what's the what's the first music that you bought or owned? First album I bought with my own money was the Lemonheads. Uh, their album uh, "It's a Shame About Ray" was the first album I bought with my own money, but only because I was going to go in there. I got a, a gift voucher for the local record store, and I was going to go buy a Red Hot Chili Peppers T-shirt because I'd seen older kids wearing them and was told, "Yeah, they're really cool," and they didn't have them. Right. And I was only like, I was like thirteen years old. And they didn't have them uh-huh. in a size that would fit me. And I almost bought one, though. Yeah. They had a large... I almost bought a large Red Hot Chili Peppers t-shirt. And then I thought, oh, no, it's ne- I'm never going to fit into that. And so yeah. on Rage that morning... Or no, maybe a week before, uh, it's a, uh, Mrs. Robinson, the cover they did, was on. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'll buy, I'll buy that. I'll, I'll get that one. And that kind of set me off on a path of... Like, all right, I'm going to try and find stuff that my friends don't listen to. 
Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, but the first album I would have actually listened to from my like my parents would have had music around the ta- house like a tape that I would have been oh this is cool would have been either mm. like John Farnham's Whispering Jack or maybe mm-hmm. like the best of ABBA or something like that like that would have been right. what I was listening to as a kid. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, what's the what's the best live show you've seen? Uh, best live show I've seen, I would say, uh, first time I saw McCluskey, uh, okay. do you know, like a Welsh hardcore band, uh, okay. that was very impressive. Although I saw Lay Savvy Fav, American, like Brooklyn kind of indie rock band, uh, and I had never heard of them before mm-hmm. and I was there to see the band that kind of played support. It was a co-headline show with Pretty Girls Make Graves and... Lay Savvy Fav and Pretty Girls Make Graves are on first I thought oh this is cool because I'll be able to get home on public transport I won't have to like because mm. the gig goes after I would have had to get a taxi home and then Lay Savvy Fav came out and that was so great it was like I didn't know any of the songs all I knew was like they were great the lead singer was brilliant and had such a good energy about him and was also really mm. funny I'd say that that was probably the best gig I went to it was like thing of like also teaching yourself be open to new experiences it's good oh yeah absolutely yeah that used to be a really big thing for me um you know when we could go to gigs more frequently uh but yeah when i was a bit younger as well yeah but yeah going to going to see well you were did you get the support did, did you always act. turn up for the support act yeah well this is what i was gonna say yeah so it was it was basically we would we would go to see like the big bands whoever were playing and whoever the support act yep. were if they were local would go and see them the next week when they had a show and then we'd go see their support act and then we just end up in these really like yeah. dive bars watching bands that looking back on maybe not that great but um, but at the time it was uh it was an awful lot of fun um but yeah like discovering new bands yeah. discovering new new music in the moment like when it's live it's really really hard to beat yeah and then you know sometimes you listen to the the, the studio stuff and it doesn't quite hold up the same way but uh yeah, discovering. Yeah, I, rem- I remember seeing a band wonderful. at the Tote here in Melbourne. They were called Jihad Against America, and all their songs were like a minute long. And it uh-huh. was um, one of those. And it was like they were a really fun band. There was like uh, the lead singer; she would go crazy. But then they also had like three backing singers as well. And mm-hmm. a guy wore a keyboard around his neck and just played like that. And all their songs were done. Like they had songs like um, "And You'll Know Us" by the Trail of Art Students, um, and what else they have? Like um, uh, John Bon Chomsky was one of their songs as well. Like just dumb songs, but it was like so much fun and just kind of discovering a band like that. And they only mm. lasted, I think, a year. And right, their gigs okay. were like they do. They they got the built themselves up to be headline, but they only had like twenty minutes of material. And so I was oh, like, yeah. all right, that's that's the show though. Like we can't do any more than that. Like we've played like yeah. eighteen songs. Like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> See you later. Mm. All right, perfect. Um so like, we'll jump into the into the playlist then. So Sweet. A song one on the list is a song that you fell in love with straight away. So you've gone with A New England by Billy Bragg. Yeah. So I remember uh when I was probably fifteen, I was at my then girlfriend's house watching Rage. And mm-hmm. at the time, she was, it was, this was the height of the Spice Girls. And she was really into the Spice Girls and that kind of stuff. And I was, you know, I, I, I was a real music snob. And yep. I'd never heard of Billy Bragg. 
and he came on and we watched it and at the end of the song she turned to me and said that was the worst song I've ever heard and I was like that's probably the best song I've ever heard and at that point there I knew we were not going to last it was like this is this is doomed this relationship but I I love I look it, I think it, the film clip for it was just from the old grey whistle test which uh-huh. I'm sure I don't know if you're li- maybe they do if they listen to a, a podcast about music they know about the old grey whistle test but it w- wasn't really played in Australia occasionally ABC would play clips for it on rage but it wasn't really and it's just that thing like we didn't have at that stage we had like a TV show called recovery it was a bit different it mm-hmm. was like it was music but it, w- it was more to it as well uh, and then for years there's just nothing for live uh, for musicians to play music on as well there were music shows but there was nothing that it was like not like a Jules Holland or something like that, where it's like you can just show showcase music. And so Rage was sure. so important uh, to me. And I wasn't playing guitar at that point, but when I got a guitar for my 18th birthday, it was kind of trying to learn Billy Bragg songs, really, mm. and Billy Bragg and Lemonhead songs. And I, I, I've joked before saying, if I was into Metallica, I'd probably be a much better guitar player because I was just trying to learn <laughs> learn open chords and downstrokes. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm terrible. I was actually going to say, that's funny. I was going to say that this, um, it's, it's an easy artist to pick up, I would say, Billy Bragg. Yeah. Yeah, and also, I, 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 I love that he couldn't sing that well, but it was all yeah. about, like, the emotion behind it. And I, I do quite like his voice. There's artists I like who aren't probably the best singers, like Jonathan Richmond, Billy Bragg, uh, Bob Dylan, but, I don't know They've, their voices have character. Yeah, yeah. His would fall into a category where I think is is it's got character. It's not that great, but I'd still find it listenable. Yeah, yeah. But Bob Dylan's slightly the other end of that scale for me. Now he is. Yeah, he used to. Yeah. He used to sing. <laughs> he used to sing great. I, I went and saw Bob Dylan live, and it was that thing like halfway through a like I'm quite a big Bob Dylan fan, and especially at the time I was. And he likes to recreate his own songs. And halfway through Tangled Up in Blue was when I realised, oh, he's singing Tangled Up in Blue. I just couldn't couldn't pick it. One of his biggest songs. It's just that's how bad a singer he was. Reimagined, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, perfect. Song two, then a song that took you a while is Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush. Yeah, so when I was in high school, we had a drama teacher who was very, very cool. Her name was Cassandra Wilson, and Mm -hmm. uh, she knew that I was into music that was a little bit different from everyone else, and she kind of said, you should, you should, have you listened to Kate Bush? I said, Mm -hmm. no, I haven't. She goes, oh, I think you'd really like Kate Bush. And so my parents used to get this, it was like, they weren't really into music, but they would get like this catalog that you could buy CDs cheap from. It was like $10 a CD. And you just had a catalogue come to your house and you could just tick which ones you were going to get and then send off. And then like two months later, you'd get the CDs. And I I remember there was five people in our house and we were allowed to get one each like every couple of months. Mm -hmm. And so I chose, I can't remember the album, but I chose a Kate Bush album. The Red Shoes it was. I chose that album Mm -hmm. because it was the only Kate Bush album in there. So I thought, I bought that. And I got it and fucking hated it just it was <laughs> oh this is the worst <laughs> I've, I've made a bad mistake here but it was that thing when you were a kid like and especially with albums and stuff like that when you you know they were expensive and so if yeah, you yeah. did make a bad financial decision you kind of had to live with it and go oh I'm going to listen to it again because I want to get my money's worth here whereas now with like yeah. 
streaming, you can just go, oh, I'm not into this after the first 20 seconds. Move on. Yeah, not for me. And you yeah. don't really give people, artists, the time that they probably uh, deserve or warrant, especially someone like Kate Bush, which is, you know, a bit more complicated than just the stuff that I was used to listening to then. And so, right. yeah, Running Up That Hill is my favourite of her songs. And, uh, yeah, I I think, yeah, Kate Bush is one of those artists which probably don't get enough credit these days. Right. How long did it take you to Oh, years. Like this, so this was year 10, <laughs> and then it wasn't until uni that... And I only really got into it because I started collecting vinyl and would go around to the, you know, secondhand vinyl shops. And there'd always be Kate right. Bush albums there. Always. Yeah. And so I uh-huh. thought, oh, I'll, bu- I'll buy that. And so I remember one haul going, all right, I bought that. I bought B-52s. I bought a whole bunch of stuff that was like kind of weird. And the guy who was serving me was like, oh, you're, you've got really eclectic tastes. And at the time, I didn't know what eclectic meant. And I didn't know if he was having a go <laughs> at me or not. <laughs> he still might have been, to be fair. He might, yeah. He, also, he always tried to sell me... Uh, what was he always trying to sell me Jefferson Airplane uh, albums he's like I reckon you'd really like them and I was never never really did but yeah <laughs> that and I remember because this is the it was in Launceston in Tassie it was a little shop called Foggy Mountain Music and uh, the guy in there like you, you just have to be obsessed with music if you're going to open up a music shop in a town called, like sure. Launceston because like there's, you'll have like eight clients and that's that's it <laughs> but he was he was really into it and I remember one day I bought uh I bought DJ Shadow and I bought oh, something else, but he tried to sell me R.L. Burnside. I'm like, this has nothing to do with what I've just bought. Like, yeah, he, he put the headphones <laughs> on and said, oh, I reckon you're like that. And I'm like, this is kind of just blues. I'm like, I'm buying like sampled <laughs> stuff. Anyway, it was, yeah, he was great, that guy. <laughs> it's obviously just what he had, like a job lot of. It's just like, yeah. I, uh, I really need to get rid of the Jefferson yeah. Airplane. Like, I've got, there's stacks of them in the back. It just, <laughs> fuck. This, this guy buys everything he'll buy it yeah he'll buy, he'll it. buy it yeah um, song three then a song from your introduction to music so you've gone with Kiss an Angel Good Morning by Charlie Pride yeah I, no I should say I don't really like this song but this is a song from my childhood <laughs> that my so my nan loved Charlie Pride like okay. she only had a few like and she, she didn't have any records she always had tapes that's what she would listen to like the cassette tapes and I remember mm-hmm. My family, growing up, very working class, didn't have a lot, but the family unit was really tight, especially when my grandparents sure. were alive. Like, we'd always be going around there for dinners, and as kids, you'd, you know, have the three sleeping bags on the on their bed, and we'd all sleep in the bed, and then get carried into the car, and all that kind of stuff. But I remember, at the time, didn't realising that the adults were getting blind, but now looking back on of course they were they were just yeah, drinking in, in the backyard and smoking but I remember Nan would always put on Charlie Pride and that would oh. be the sign oh, Nan's had a big one like she's she's dancing to <laughs> Kiss an Angel Good Morning and so doing this list I actually because you we were like because my dad wasn't really into music as well but he had a fair bit of uh, John Cougar Mellencamp that's the stuff he'd okay. listen to in the car and my mum would listen to stuff like Queen and Abba and that kind of stuff but I Right. Didn't really have many like kind of memories about those apart from just going on car trips and listen to sure. that. But yeah, Kiss an Angel Good Morning was the song, the Charlie Pride song. And then after my nan passed away, me and my cousins would always laugh about Charlie Pride. Like if one of our parents had a thing was like, you know, had a bit too much to drink, we were like, oh, 
Charlie Pride's going to come out soon. We'll, we'll wait for Charlie <laughs> Pride. And so, um, yeah, I think Charlie like that's and you know, like I said, I'm not a I'm not a fan of it, but it's it's an okay song. It's it's all right. Charlie Pride. And it's, cool story like yeah. a, a a black country and western singer in the in america at that time was like kind of like yeah good on good on my nan for being uh so inclusive so early on very progressive yeah yeah absolutely all right perfect um song four then a song that makes you happy so you've gone with gram rock by idols yeah I've, before we get into it josh um this is a, a fun fact for the show this is the first song that's come into the category of a song that makes you happy that starts with a condolence for someone's bereavement. It makes me so it makes me laugh so much though that I'm sorry <laughs> your granddad's dead. Lovely spread. It's just yeah. every time I hear it, I'm like, that is such a funny line. And yeah. it's so funny. So I, this is probably like Idols when they... So I didn't listen to their first album. I listened to their second album heaps when it came out and then went back to the first right. album I was like oh this is great and this is one of those bands so I, I would have been like 36 when I was listening to their first like, first time I discovered and it's like oh finally a, a new band that I actually love and it's exciting mm. uh, it, and they're one of these bands that kind of frustrate me a bit in that like I don't know like I like their first two albums a lot their third one I didn't mind but it seems that everyone hated it and then their right. fourth one, I'm like, oh, this is not what I'm into with the band, but I understand they're doing this because, you know, sometimes it's really important for bands to kind of like move out of their comfort zone and they've now they're bigger, they've got a bigger space to fill and sure. you always kind of think, oh, yeah, in the live set, maybe it's that thing. You just kind of have like bangers the entire time in terms of like fast songs the entire time. You have to slow it down, have some light and shade. And so I, I get yeah. it. I get that that's what they're doing. and But yeah. like I just like... The fast songs and this song is uh in the lock in the first lockdown we did uh way way back i was uh i started running for the first time mm-hmm. in years and i would listen yeah. to this song a lot when i was running it's a good running song um yeah. but yeah and idols i almost said idols as my um favorite gig i went to but i, I knew i'd oh, talk yeah. about them later uh but they are yeah. a cracking live show uh, when I went and saw them at the corner hotel here in Melbourne, someone had lost their wallet and just shouted, I've lost my wallet. And so they stopped the show and <laughs> they said, all right, everyone just look down. If you see a wallet, put it in the air. And someone said, yep, here it is. And they said, all right, pass it to the front. And then that guy was passed to the front as well. And then they reunited him with his wallet and they sang like uh, a Mariah Carey song to him and it was just one of those things like this is great this is but it was also that funny thing of like you know, they're singing about like toxic masculinity the crowd is very male heavy but it was also one of yeah. these vibes it was also uh, in melbourne a day it was 40 degrees and look the the corner hotel is a great uh venue to see live music in but it's it's not the most ventilated of places and so mm. it, it was sweat on the walls it and I was there with uh, my friend Matt and we were just drenched, absolutely drenched, even just walking into the place. Uh, yeah. But then after a while, you're like, uh, you know, everyone is. And it was one of the last gigs I saw before all of the lockdowns kind of started. So it was that thing. You look back now and go, how how did we survive? We were all so close, just breathing on each other, <laughs> sweating on each other. But uh, it's yeah. great. And, and this song, look, I, like, I like songs uh, with a bit of a sense of humor about them. 
And I think yeah. uh, growing up in that 90s when it was all like grunge and I think a lot of those bands took themselves far too seriously. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a town where everyone's favourite bands were either Metallica or Tool. And right. both those bands have no sense of humour about themselves. Uh, <laughs> or they might, but the, their fans don't. And right. I just, like a band like, I was into then like bands like Pavement and the Lemonheads and Guided by Voices and stuff like that, which seemed to have a bit more of a sense of humour about themselves. Like a band like the Smashing Pumpkins have no, it's, there's nothing fun in listening to them uh, mm. in terms of going, oh yeah, they, they seem like they're happy. They seem like they're enjoying this. I'm like, no, yeah. this seems like a real struggle for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I- idols are. I don't. I don't know an awful lot about them, but um, they're a bit older, are they? Yeah, I think. I think they'd all been in bands beforehand. Um, the main guy, Joe. Um, yeah, I think. I think they'd all be probably my age. They'd all be like mid thirties to early forties. But uh, right. Yeah, I think. I, I I don't know. It's like yeah, it's. I get to all ages. Like everyone's either way too young or way too old. Yeah, they just they they feel a bit older. They, they I don't know what it is about them specifically, but it's it's something to do with their their lyrical content seems to cover a lot of a lot of themes that like sort of punky bands kind of cover. Yeah, like fuck the system kind of thing. But there is there's almost like a maturity and a nuance to how they come across yeah um which is which which is a strange thing to say about a band when the the, the closing lyric of the song is my boy fuck tom hiddleston stylist yeah but um <laughs> but in general in general I, See, um, well, it's funny because yeah, very clever through when the arctic monkeys came out and everyone was like there's no way they wrote these lyrics that's too old yeah, for yeah. someone like that and it was always that thing of like yeah. sometimes people just can't believe that people have been inspired by stuff that's older and they're like, oh yeah, I'm like, when I was young, when I was in my 20s, I was always in like, intrigued by people who are a lot older than me. I didn't really want to listen to artists who are my age. I was like, all right, I want to listen to right. those who are older and, you know, it's a bit of that pretending to be an adult. So maybe that's what's, yeah. what's happened in Idols as well. They're kind of like, you know, <laughs> maybe. we're inspired by bands like The Fall and stuff so we're trying to yeah, copy their yeah. lyrical style. Yeah. Well, that's good fun anyway. Um, all right, song five, then a song that makes you sad. So you've gone with I Wish I Was Sober by Frightened Rabbit. Yeah. I, I, are you a Frightened Rabbit fan? I'm a I, I'm a, a very big fan of Frightened Rabbit. Yeah, so I, I was as well. I One of those bands who were so consistently great, all their albums were great, even the ones that people were like, oh, that was a bit of a dip. I was like, no, I think it's fantastic. Um, yeah. I And it's... The story is so sad as well. So for those listeners who don't know, so Scott Hutchison is mm. no longer alive. He uh, killed himself um, in 2016. I can't remember. Uh, 17, maybe. Uh, and all he, like, uh, not all, a lot of his songs were speaking about depression and speaking about how he doesn't want to be here anymore. And a lot of them were mm. about uh, water and drowning. And he ended up drowning. Um, mm. And it kind of played out on social media as well like he kind of on Twitter if you follow him on Twitter he kind of his last post was about oh he's so sorry to everyone and he's um yeah he can't do this anymore and then his brother who yeah. was in the band and then the band themselves would kind of say has anyone seen Scott please let him know that he's loved and and 
I remember following it and just fearing the worst and then came out and then you go back through all these lyrics and it's like, oh, because I, I remember someone said, oh, if you need help, reach out, ask for help. And people were saying he, he was for his entire career, like of yeah, like putting it out there and it's kind of that thing of music as therapy, but also he was really struggling. And it's, it's so sad as well because you'd see him in interviews and he was super charming and super lovely and there's a great uh, live uh, footage of him from the end of the road festival playing uh, the modern leper and it's like he's just doing it acoustically there's no mic and like there's just people standing around but there's a little kid in the front and he's kind of dealing with because the song swears he goes I'm sorry there's but life is going to be hard and you need to know that Mm now and it's very funny and it's charming and it's all that thing and so yeah to and then to know that he was battling such demons, it's it's really really sad. And then this song is all about how he wished he uh, could stay sober. And um, yeah, it's. I remember listening to a lot of Frightened Rabbit um, when I was dealing with my own stuff that I don't need to go into the. But uh, and then two years ago, then two years later after that, then he passed away. And then listening to him, it gives everything so much more weight as well, knowing. Mm-hmm. how it kind of ended up for him it's like yeah it's it's super sad yeah no it is 100% um yeah i i i used to listen to a lot of their their music when i was going through um i'm guessing a similar kind of experience but when i was going through my uh depression frightened rabbit were a very big source of comfort um yeah because i've talked about this on the show before but like it's that combination of one him exploring those sort of darker themes is a really good way to help you feel understood and yeah. uh seen almost when you're going through that because one of the big symptoms of depression is is not feeling like it's real yeah having to like accept that what you're going through is a legitimate thing is very difficult so having someone who's gone through that experience and is able to articulate that experience is very comforting also i think a lot of his music did um he talks about this a lot is that he would try to bring an element of hope to even some of the darker songs yeah um if that's musically or lyrically like there's a song the oil slick which is quite uh which is similar to what you said about the it's a very sort of water themed kind of scene and then it ends with uh lyrics like we've still got hope so i think we'll be fine in these disastrous times so there's an awful lot of stuff like that that really connects with me but then you have music like this um like i wish i was sober and there's another song that i talked about in another episode um which is have you heard of master system yes that's uh, he's been with editors or members of editors yeah exactly it was him him and his brother then the two brothers from from editors and he has a song on that called bird who's bored of flying which is the same sort of message it's 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 literally just him articulating that he is more or less done yeah um and yeah in 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 context that and this song in particular i think are yeah very very sad very difficult to listen to i think um anyway song six a song to relax to so you've gone with new york by saint vincent yeah i love saint vincent i i I uh a bit late to 
uh, her stuff. Although I did see her because she, apparently she was in the chorus for the Polyphonic Spree. That was her, and so I remember seeing them. So I probably saw her uh, when I saw them uh, oh, wow. playing Melbourne. Yeah, uh, but she, I, I really like her. And this song I think is probably her, from her best album as well. Uh, this is uh, from Mass Seduction or Mass Education. I always get them confused because she's released two. And I uh, was listening. I used to do a breakfast radio show here in Melbourne on Triple R, and uh, would I'd quite often request because I never got to choose the songs. Um, mm. a, guy, a guy called Steve chose the songs, and uh, this was the album of the week when I was on there. And so I was like, "Hey, put that put that one on. Put New York on. It's, it puts me in a good mood to do the show." And so, especially yeah. when you're getting up at like five in the morning to go and do three hours of radio with uh, people who are also struggling with the six o'clock start. Uh, yeah. show you're like just went, put something on that we can settle into and so I uh, yeah I really love this and because she released the first album with this song on it uh, she released and it was kind of like using the full the full uh, instruments and stuff like that and then she released a year later the stripped down versions of them and mm-hmm. I was at that point in my life I'm like this is exactly what I want I want songs that I'm familiar with but just a stripped yes. down version of it and so uh I, I think the song I like more though is the full bells and whistles one. But yeah, yeah, it is nice to hear him again. Going, it's a bit like when you hear people do covers of songs, and it's like, oh, I like this. I, I know what this is, but it's kind of like, yeah, it's a, a bit stripped down or a bit uh, whatever they've done with it. It's always nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Also, she can play guitar as well. I don't know if you, I saw you're a musician as well. Like she, Saint Vincent can play. It's great. No, I'll, I'll need to check it out. I, I, so St. Vincent is an artist that I've like heard of and I'm aware of just yeah. through pop culture and osmosis, but I don't think I've listened to any... She any did an music. album with David Byrne, which I think kind of... Uh, even though the album wasn't as good as her solo stuff, it kind of put her in another level of artistry because people like going, oh, David Byrne approves. Okay, I'll I'll go back right, and okay, uh, yeah. give, her st- give her stuff a listen. Got the sign off. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Um, yeah, it's a great, it's a great song though. I really, really liked it. Um, all right, perfect. So, song seven then, a song from your preteen years. Yeah. So you, I should be so lucky, Kylie Minogue. Yeah. Now I, uh, when I was in year two, so I would have been eight or nine years old. Our teacher asked us. She said, "All right, who? For some reason, it was like who likes Kylie Minogue? Kylie Minogue was massive. Uh, yeah. And who likes and I was the only boy in the class who put my hand up and it was something about that going ah oh, the girls like me because I'm the only one who likes Kylie Minogue I think it was I think it was even Kylie Minogue versus Jason Donovan or something it was like she had right. who, who likes whom and I was the only boy who kind of switched sides and went no I like Kylie and mm. it was I remember like just that it must have stuck with me because it must have been mm. that hey if you're a bit uh, contrary It'll be right. more interesting. You'll right. have you'll have more fun, and you'll be able to uh, you know meet people that you probably don't normally meet. And so I, I'd say, because when I was doing this, I was like, oh, do I try and be cool? But I'm like, I won't. I wasn't listening to any cool music in my preteens. Like it's all, <laughs> it's all just daggy stuff. Whatever they played on the radio yeah. and like top fifty kind of stuff. But yeah, this yeah. is the one. Like, and I I think people like every single girl in my class was like obsessed with Kylie Minogue right 
it was a real a real moment in time where it just happened to like tap into something and i can't remember mm. a, a pop singer being like that before maybe, maybe michael jackson but that was that mm. was it mm-hmm. that was like yeah kids like michael jackson i i only knew of michael jackson from um the dangerous album so black and white right. was the first real michael jackson song i remember and what didn't sure. i liked the fact that macaulay culkin was in it and i liked the the, <laughs> the film clip at the end where the faces change but apart from that i was yeah. like i also remember remember the time video because magic johnson was in that and i was a big basketball fan i was like oh that's cool magic johnson uh yeah. but yeah kylie minogue before that was like people were obsessed with like every magazine seemed to have kylie minogue on the cover she was right. i mean she, she's got a 40 year career almost 50 year career like yeah, yeah she's she's doing all right but like 40 years <laughs> 80s not yeah but uh, yeah, it was especially then. So that would have been eighty nine, I reckon. Eighty eight, eighty nine. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a great. It's a great pop song. Like, it's a good you... pop song. It's a fun film clip too. Yeah. She's she's like blowing bubbles in the bath. It's cute. She's it's not too sexy. It's like yeah, it's great for like preteen <laughs> kids to get into. It's like, oh yeah, I can I can deal with this. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, song eight then is the light three thousand by schneider tm yeah had you heard of this before i had not and it's 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 good that i listened to so uh a little glimpse behind the curtain we uh got your playlist a couple of weeks ago and then and then set up the the recording so i started listening to your playlist a couple of weeks ago and it's a good thing i did because i went to move it across onto my other um profile before we did this and it's not on spotify anymore Oh. and I don't know you know we alluded to it at the start of the show I don't know if it's something to do with the whole Joe Rogan situation yeah. or if there's another reason for it but but this song is is, is difficult to find now so. it's gone off I, I think you can get it on YouTube so this is I think, I, I, I'm guessing it's a German guy uh, but I it is it was on a rough trade compilation that I bought and I really really liked I went, ended up buying he, he had an album out and saying I bought that and it, some of the stuff was really nice but not as nice and it's that so it's a cover of uh there is a light that never goes out by the smiths uh mm. who are another one of those bands who are super super important to me in my like early 20s kind of like they they bridge that gap of humor and sadness really well some of their songs mm-hmm. are super super funny and then you go and back and read all the old articles and the interviews and they're like oh this band's so funny uh yeah you know i can do without morrissey's opinions these days but the rest of them uh <laughs> so great uh but yeah and it's just it, it was like my, my big thing with covers is that my my least favorite thing is when people and it's usually white guys just choose a hip-hop song and play it on acoustic guitar and they're like see it's a good song and it's like it w- already was a good song and with this one this is a super like different it just sounds different um to the original and they've actually created something a new piece of art from the song it's a uh, all yeah. electronic beeps and boops and uh so i on triple r would sometimes do an afternoon show where i did get to choose the music and i remember playing this once and someone called up and said can you stop playing sad robot music all the time <laughs> like which i'm like yeah fair enough I, I was playing a fair bit of a fair bit of sad robot music <laughs> that, is, that is a very good but very dismissive way to describe it yeah um, i think it's better than yeah, that, it, but yeah yeah it it does sound like 
sad, slightly bored robots. Yeah. To be fair, but but yeah, no, it is it is still a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and it it brings it it almost brings a more of a uh, a darkness to the song as well because obviously the lyrical content is quite stark, and yep. I don't know if I really realized that until I was listening to this version of it, and I was like, oh god, right, this is just a lot of different ways of imagining dying. This is yeah. Uh, it's even a bit in the, with the music as well, where it almost sounds like it's breaking down as well, which I think is a nice yeah, kind yeah. of with the song. It's like the lyrics are all about if a double decker bus crashes into us, yeah, uh, and then with the music also being like kind of like struck, it almost feels like it's struggling to finish itself. It's like oh, the, the weight of all this is getting too much, which I I, mm. I really like. It's quite clever. Yeah, yeah, I'm completely with you. By the way, my um, absolute least favorite type of cover is a slow acoustic acoustic yeah. guitar version of a popular song uh, I would be like do, doing uni in, in Launceston I reckon there's more acoustic duos in Launceston than anywhere else in the world like every <laughs> every pub has like an acoustic duo playing songs and so many yeah. of them would be just alright we're going to do like I'm just off the top of my head. So we're going to do Heya as a slowed down. I'm like, just play it like it is. It's a fucking great song. You don't need to like, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's that thing of like, oh, you didn't understand this song until we, we slowed it down and played it. Oh, though my friends uh, used to busk yeah. in Launceston and they only had three songs in their rep- repertoire. And one of them was Everybody Hurts. And they say, if we play Everybody Hurts, people just give money. It is like most, like everyone's just, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do this. And yeah. so they would just uh, go down there for an hour and play uh, three songs, have a little bit of a break <laughs> and wait for people to move off again and then start the three songs up again. They clean up. <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah. And I don't want to dwell on this too long, but the thing about it that really winds me up is when, when people put this kind of like fake earnest emotion into lyrics that just mean nothing, like, you know, yeah. really earnestly, like and passionately singing shake it like a polaroid picture like just f- f- shut yeah shut up that's <laughs> that's not what that song's about it's not no. what that song's about at all like i don't know what you think you're bringing like what what is the sad memory that you're connecting with that with that moment that is just just nonsense absolute nonsense it's but, so funny when just that song hey uh, when they put real people in the songs like they've chosen beyonce and lucy lou both of them still have a career like in yeah. Crazy in Love, uh, they mentioned Nick Van Exel, who played for the Lakers, who no one would know who that is anymore. Like that's like no <laughs> one. But Beyonce and Lucy Liu are still kind of like, oh yeah, they people know who they are. Lucy Liu's still acting. Like Beyonce is yeah. Beyonce. Like it's they've done yeah. well. That's twenty years old. Yeah, yeah. I said, they're probably on slightly different levels now. Beyonce and Lucy Liu. Yeah, they, absolutely. It's, it's but, maybe yeah. slightly unfair to lump them in, in together. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, song nine then a song that you'd sing at karaoke so you're going for The Cure Friday I'm in Love the only reason I put this in is because it's the only time I've ever done karaoke and I chose this song so I, I don't, oh, okay. I, I've never I've I've been to karaoke with friends I've never ever yep. felt the urge to get up and maybe it's because I perform for a living so I'm like I don't need to do it again like uh, yeah, okay. but I went I was at a gig with a uh, comedian called Oliver Clark who's a very very good singer like he's very and does it like his side hustle is fronting a band 
and oh, yeah. he uh, was like, hey, after this gig, there's karaoke. Do you want to do karaoke before we drive back to Melbourne? So it was in a, a place mm-hmm. called Warburton, which is like two hours out of Melbourne. I was like, oh, don't you just want to go home? Like, he goes, no, no, we'll, we'll go to karaoke. And I realized because he's a single man, or he was then, he was a single man, and he knew he could sing. So he's like, if I go and sing at this thing, I might get a bit of a kiss, and then we'll then we'll drive home. And uh, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. And so he he sang my way because he's got a very nice crooning voice. And so he sang my way, okay, yeah. and built it out right. of the park. And the little town of Warburton had never seen anything like before. And afterwards, <laughs> this woman just came up and just laid one on him. And I was like, all right. So I sang, I remember seeing uh, Friday I'm in Love and did not get the same. And I, one, I didn't, I didn't want to kiss anyone, but it was that thing of like, didn't, like they were not into my kind of uh, indie bullshit. They wanted, they wanted the classics. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, did the accent cre- creep in at all? Uh, yeah, I was doing a bit of the, the my own Robert Smith impression. I always like, yeah. find The Cure so, such a funny band, like because they've got some really big kind of pop songs, like "Front of Me Love," yeah, yeah. "Love Cats," like they're kind of like jangly kind of pop songs. And then yeah. everyone's like, "Oh, they're so such a sad, depressing kind of band." Kind of like the joke was, "Oh, Cure fans are all like goths and stuff like that." But I'm like, really? Like I think they're just kind of they're kind of almost have that divide of like coming out of like the post-punk and going into new romantic and it's kind of like yeah you could you could be a new romantic fan and love the cure and you can be a post-punk fan and love the cure um yeah. yeah i i mean what was it is it disintegration is that the album is that what it's called i'm not the biggest cure fan but I'm it's their sure. uh, it's their big long opus one that everyone's like, oh this is the best one and i listen to it, i'm like oh it's just doesn't have the hooks that I, I want. Although you'll probably have yeah, some yeah. listeners going crazy and going, this song is amazing. But I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just, with The Cure, I've just got the best of and yeah, really like it. Like, yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But on, do you know when you get at karaoke, you get the sheet, you get the booklet and you got to go, all right. And you want to choose a song yeah. that you kind of know anyway. Yeah. You don't really need the words. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you want to know, does it have any solos in it, like guitar solos or piano solos? Because you're like, you don't want to be standing ah, yeah. there for that 45 seconds, just going, "All right, let's. What are we doing? <laughs> oh, cool, yeah." So, but the best karaoke I ever saw, apart from uh, Oliver, was I saw a guy in Melbourne sing uh, uh, "Ice House's Electric Blue," and uh-huh. smashed out of the park. It was incredible. Like, and that was a song that I was like, I'm surprised that everyone's on board with this song because it was like in uh, Fitzroy in Melbourne in like the mid 2000s it was very everyone was very cool for school and then he got up Mm. there and sang an old Oz classic and yeah it was it was very good excellent best karaoke I ever saw was someone singing Evanescence Wake Me Up Inside in a uh, operatic style yep that was uh, yeah that was an experience and it was a, a very sort of like there weren't an awful lot of people there, so he was really just doing it for himself, which yeah, I have a lot of respect for. But yeah, it's a bit of a weird, bit of a weird vibe. I I won't say his name, but I have a friend who used to do uh, musical comedy, who would do uh, sometimes parody songs, and sometimes he would do karaoke. And if the song that he parodied was there, he would get up and do his version of it, which <laughs> is just yucky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, song 10 then a song that reminds you of a specific place 
So you've gone for Emmy Lou by first aid kit. Yeah, so I I've mentioned before I used to work at Triple R here in Melbourne and Triple R uh great when kind of launching artists and discovering new bands and stuff like that. And uh I was in there doing uh wrapping up my show and then passing on to the next people who were doing the show, but they were doing a live uh broadcast of first aid kit they were gonna play in the performance space that was next door to the studios. And so when I finished my show, I was kind of like getting my bag and sorting out all my all my stuff that I needed to. And the two sisters from uh, First Aid Kit were just sitting on the couches, just playing songs to warm up. And right, okay. They were like, "Oh, is this all right if we do this?" I'm like, "This is the best thing." And I, I'd never heard of them. Like, I'm like, "This is right. the best." I'm like, "Yeah, this is fantastic." And so I was kind of filling out my kind of like playlist sheet which you got to put in and then putting it up on the website so I was there for like half hour as they just played and they played this song and then when I went in to watch them as well they said oh this is a brand new song we've just we just finished writing it um so I hope you don't mind if we read it from the notes and I'd already heard it they were practicing it in there so I could have been one of the first people in the world to hear (laughs) Emmylou um which is great, but they also did a cover of um, "Penny on the Slot" by Fionn Regan. Um, okay, just when they were rehearsing, and uh-huh. it was so beautiful. And I really wish they would release that one as well. Um, right, but yeah, it was like just great seeing like just two people so good at good at their craft, just kind of yeah. rehearsing in a small space and seeing them kind of you know that kind of. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're kind of a bit... Their guard isn't up. They're a bit more open and a bit more kind of... You see the nerves and all that kind of stuff because they're about to go perform to a, sh- a show. Right, it was, it was really, yeah, yeah. It was, it was lovely is what I was saying. Yeah. All right, perfect. Also, like, going back to what we are saying about white men with acoustic guitars. Yeah. It is... I I absolutely love when someone can captivate you with just their voice and an yeah. acoustic guitar because there are so many people who do it and so much of it is so boring yeah. and even like a, a song like this could potentially be a little dull if it's not done in the right way yeah but their voices are incredible and yeah as you said like if they're sitting there and they're able to captivate you just sitting casually playing guitar and singing and yeah. just getting ready for a show then yeah that's uh talent in it yeah they're, they're very good you see them yeah. live though but they, the uh one of the sisters does love to uh throw her hair around when she plays like i went and saw them once at uh a music festival and uh-huh. the entire time the sister with the long blonde hair was just uh like kind of headbanging to her kind of <laughs> alternative country songs it was just <laughs> flicking her hair out everywhere it was great excellent uh, song 11 then a song that reminds you of a specific person so your song is Time After Time by Eva Cassidy yeah so the cover version so my old flatmate when I was at uni her uh, boyfriend at the time was one of these great guys who is just so musical could just hear a song and could play it before the song even finished on guitar like he was oh yeah I, I get what this is he's just like he can read music he can do all that he's like very very t- I can't read music I just kind of taught myself major chords and that was it uh but she because i 
got a guitar at 18 because I was such a music snob that my girlfriend at the time was going to go, well, if you're, if you know everything about music, there you go, have a guitar, mm-hmm. write some songs. And right. I was learning to play. And so my flatmate at the time, um, her name is Belinda. She was like, oh, I might play. There's guitars around. My boyfriend plays. Maybe I'll learn. And he said, yeah, the best way to learn is just choose a song you like and I'll teach you how to play that one. And so mm-hmm. this was the song that she wanted to learn. And so I remember coming home from uni for months and just her, we had this beautiful sunroom that we'd sit in and play guitar and she'd just be in there trying to play this song and listen to it over and over again and just playing it. And so luckily I do like the song still. It's not one of those ones. I had another flatmate who would listen to Jeff Buckley all the time and I'm like, I cannot fucking stand this album anymore. You've ruined it for me. <laughs> and But she, like this song, the Eva Cassidy version is quite good. And look, it's another one of those... She was known for doing covers and interpreting songs, and uh, but yeah. with her, I kind of it's it's yeah. She does bring something else to the song as well. Although the Cindy yeah. Lauper's version is great as well, but uh, this and then uh, I remember Casey Chambers doing a cover of it as well. And so uh, her boyfriend Lee going, "Do you want to learn the Casey Chambers one because it's a little bit uh, less complicated?" And she's like, "No, no, I want I want the Eva Cassidy one." So, yeah. <laughs> I respect it. Yeah. Uh, song twelve then a song that motivates you. So you're going with Sabotage by Beastie Boys. Yeah, this is like, I go to the gym a fair bit uh, near my house. It's only like 500 meter walk. And every now and then they'll do a thing going, hey, you can put the playlist, you can choose a song. And so I always put this one on. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's, just, it's just the guitar. It's just so, I don't know, it's very uplifting. It gives me gives me energy. And I, because uh, I almost yeah. I almost chose uh, Idols in this with their song Mr. Motivator, but I'm like, oh, it's too it's too on the nose. It's that motivates you. Uh, so, but uh, <laughs> this is this is great, and it's like uh, I think it's like four minute song. It's perfect, perfect, perfect length for a song like this, and it's fun. And I don't know the Beastie Boys. I think they, you know, need to get some uh, props. I think they've kind of been forgotten in a lot of the like bands of the 80s and 90s I think they they were yeah. great they put out some great stuff yeah they, they had that resurgence uh, not that long ago where they started doing all the music videos with the um, those US comics oh I, I off the top I, of my head but like Will Ferrell was definitely in it and oh, okay Seth I know Spike Jones uh, directed some of their film clips early on but it's uh, yeah it's one of those things they were kind of a joke band to start with or that fight uh-huh. for your right to party, and then they kind of like, kind of came out and said, "Oh no, we were playing characters." And it's like, "Were you really, or is that just what you said to <laughs> remove yourself?" And they got into the whole free Tibet uh, movement, and kind of became very yeah. serious. But then they would right. still do stuff like uh, intergalactic, where they're kind of dressing up and running around the streets, and so like, oh, yeah, they still they're still having fun. It's not all it's not all seriousness. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I really like. I think they're. Very, very interesting band, and also one of those bands you put on and go, "Oh yeah, so many like so many songs that you go." This is such a, a moment from my kind of high school, early uni years, where it's like people would put on "Fight for Your Right to Party" at a party right. and think they were being very, very cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just looking it up there because I was trying to remember who was involved. So they did. Um, it was Seth Rogen, Elijah Wood, Danny McBride, Will Ferrell, John C. Riley, Jack Black. What was the, the What was the song? They did a whole like it's like thirty minutes. It's Fight for Your Right revisited. So oh. I'm sure the song was on it, All but right. it's like this. It's this whole thing of them like 
I'm, I'm doing this from memory but i'm pretty sure they had like two groups that were being yeah. the beastie boys so like uh danny mcbride seth rogan elijah wood were one of the beastie boys and then there was like the other three yeah and then they were like they're in their classic like down the street chugging beers throwing shit having a great time and then i think they have some kind of dance off oh, okay it was yeah it was just it just it it came out when i was really into that kind of like funnier die stuff so those yep. those uh actors that i've mentioned were like my absolute favorite people so yep. then seeing them doing this this is like a little bit of fun was like mind-blowing for me um but it was definitely good fun and, and the beastie boys were in it as well like it was all all very interconnected but yeah i would yep. I would, I would give it a go if you're if you're into the beastie boys for sure have you seen the recent film clip for um, My Sweet Lord, the George Harrison song, with all the actors? Like, there's so many comedians no. and actors. And it's just like, it's kind of like this 10 minute film where it's like uh, Fred Armisen going around uh-huh. and it's just the songs playing and there's like a kind of a storyline. It's it's well worth a worth a watch. I think it's uh, Lance Bangs uh, directed it, who's directed a whole bunch of film clips and. Uh, stand up yeah. specials and stuff like that but it's like yeah it's just interesting that it's kind of just just come out in the last I think year or so but it's yeah, it's quite good excellent excellent it's better than doing that than, than singing uh, Imagine by John Lennon yeah <laughs> um, song 13 then a song someone introduced you to so you've gone with Web in Front by Archers of Loaf yeah so uh, when I was at uni uh, I so little first year me made friends with a whole bunch of third years and fourth years i was doing performing arts and uh met a girl she quickly became my girlfriend she was like three years older than me and all her friends were older than her as well and they were like going through my music collection and just going all right this is good this is not good you need to listen to this band if you like pavement you might like these guys and so i was like all right, right. cool and so uh archers alive were one of those bands which i had never heard of never heard anyone even talk about them and mm-hmm. then kind of now hearing bands go, oh, yeah, they were a huge influence on me. Like a lot of Australian bands who I liked at the time. So uh, Jebediah and Some for Kate were both like big into Arches of Loaf. And then you'd listen to mm-hmm. them go, oh, yeah, I, I see I see the connection, what you were kind of taking from them, not taking from them, but like inspired to do your own stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then the lead singer went on to do a solo act called Crooked Fingers, which I quite like, but I, I much prefer the Archer the Loaf stuff. But then uh, in the, just before uh, COVID hit, they were kind of preparing to do a kind of reunion and writing new songs, which were uh, as good as their old stuff, which was really exciting. But they're one of these bands that uh, I think their last album, which was called White Trash Heroes, was probably their best album as well. And it didn't mm-hmm. really do anything. And it was that thing of like, it's so sad and bands just kind of toil away doing great stuff. And it's not, and not many bands kind of have their, I would say their best album be their last album. Uh, right. Arches of Loaf are one of those bands. I mean, Web in Front's not on that last album. Uh, it's on, uh, I think, VV. But it's, uh, yeah, Web in Front is a great song. If you want to learn about Arches of Loaf, get into it through that song. It's mm. it's very easy to get into and then and then dive into right. their back catalogue. Yeah, I love that when someone when someone brings a strategic choice for a band yeah. that they want to introduce <laughs> people to. It's like this is the 
this is the accessible one this is the yeah like i do that i do the same thing with frightened rabbit it's like if you if you like frightened uh, you know you should check out the woodpile on yep. modern leper and like yep. i'm not going to start someone on like floating in the fourth yeah. but um yeah it's it's, I... it's good to have those more strategic ones i remember so around, around the same time um being introduced i'd heard of the pixies but never really uh-huh. listened to the pixies and some one of their right. friends let me do little and i thought it was the best uh-huh. of it was it's just a, oh, such a great okay. album i was like oh yeah so yeah. so how many albums do they have and they're like they've got four albums you've just listened to one of them uh right. and i'm like oh so because i just because also it's quite wide ranging in the scope on that album so you've got like he comes yeah, a man sure. which sounds like it's from the 60s and then you've got like debaser which is like kind of like just perfect kind of early 90s guitar music it's like yeah it's a good album mm. yeah perfect uh song 14 then a song you wouldn't expect to like so you've gone for the scientist by coldplay yeah i i do like this album and i think it goes back to having a flatmate who listened to it a lot and like coldplay was kind of like the joke band that you could make fun of and right kind of in that way that nickelback was but i i i I know Nickelback have a song about a photograph, but I couldn't tell you what it was. I just know them as the punchline for a lot of stuff. Whereas right. yeah, yeah. Coldplay, especially a Russia Blood to the Head album, it's, you know, for all the people going, oh, it's, it's Radiohead light, it's soft. It's like, I don't know, it's 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 a nice song. In the right, in the right moment, the one thing I do not like about it is that it, it's ruined sport montages for a while. Like for a while there, every single sporting montage was a slow Coldplay song. And I'm like, no, choose yeah. something up-tempo. Choose something, for, you don't need to like slow this down and make us cry at watching men mark a ball. Like you could actually, yeah. yeah. So I, but I do, I do like this song and there's a few songs off that. And then, Chris Martin kind of fascinates me as a as a person. I think he's kind of an interesting guy. Every time I hear him speak, he's almost like, "Oh, I'm, I'm rubbish. I don't really know what I'm doing here." But then he's also mm. like, was married to like Hollywood actresses and kind of living kind of the more kind of like traditional rock star life in the Hollywood Hills and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I, I find him a, a fascinating character. Yeah. Yeah. Also, there's, I, a, there's a member of Coldplay that's always been in the band but never been on stage with them, like the fifth silent member, which I oh used yeah, to joke. Yeah, yeah. There's like not even a member of Coldplay wants to be known that he's in Coldplay, which, <laughs> but uh, I think he's he's more engineering side. But yeah, he's still a fully fledged member. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like Coldplay. I like you especially like Coldplay? this I was, album. And, I couldn't tell from yeah. your face. I was like going to say, oh, no. you you hate Coldplay. <laughs> I have nothing away. The kid, nothing away. No, um, I mean, okay. I mean, first of all, in terms of this show, I try to keep the the show as free from judgment as possible because yeah, everyone's taste is different, and Coldplay is a sort of a theme of the podcast almost as well as like Carly oh, okay. Rae Jepsen is like it's that sort of that pre held judgment that people have for certain music, and Coldplay is definitely one of those one of those bands. Um, but even if you're like, so I was really into Coldplay until I think it's. Milo Xyloto was the album where I sort of parted ways with them a little bit and there's yep. still some of their music that I kind of dig but some of it's like I, I feel like it's um, it's similar to what you were saying about uh, oh was it Idols you said got a little yeah. bit yeah uh, similar to what you were saying about Idols in that 
obviously they were like they were trying to do new things and exciting things and they were like constantly selling out like arenas and stadiums so that yep. sort of is reflected in the kind of music they started to produce but I think even if you're shitting on Coldplay a little bit like there are some really truly beautiful songs written especially on Parachutes and Russian Blood to the Head like yep. undeniably beautiful songs and I think yeah probably the sort of overexposure to Coldplay is is part of the reason that people are are so down on it yeah that that's all it is it's just overexposure because I I've got uh, kids who are 7 and 10 so uh, just in these last holidays we took them to watch the film Sing 2 and I don't really uh-huh. follow Coldplay their new stuff and stuff like that but there's a song in that where they sing a Coldplay song uh-huh. and look I'm I'm a sucker for any kind of like father son kind of stuff in films. It's like it makes me oh, get yeah. emotional. And this is all yeah. about a son kind of a father being proud of his son, and it's like uh-huh. and it's and then the son standing up to a bully, and it's like oh this is and it really got me. And I'm like quite emotional in it. And my kids turn yeah. to me and go, "Are you crying at at sing?" Like I'm like, "Hey, no, I'm not crying. It's just it's the song." And then I look because I didn't know who the song was. I didn't know who it was, so right. I looked it up when we got on. The, and I'm like, oh, it's a Coldplay song. Of course, it's a Coldplay song. And like, and it's like I can't remember. It's something about stars and the moon and all that kind of stuff that they are singing about <laughs> in their last album with the uh, emojis for song titles. Um, but yeah, yeah, I like yeah. They 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 know how to do a big song. They're they're very good yeah, at doing yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I would say that is yeah. So they've they've definitely got the the more beautiful songs. But then they've also yeah, they know how to write a song that there's almost a science to the way that they construct music that is like it yeah. draws you in emotionally i think or like it just they've got they've, they've figured out how to make your hair stand up on, on your arms yeah you know what i mean it's like, i think yeah and they've done that and i think the other thing that uh frustrates me with bands when they get big is that they tour with u2 and see the u2's massive big show and go we need to write yeah. songs that can fill stadiums like u2 and i think yeah. that was because I, I really liked the first two kings of leon albums and then yes. the third one, I was like, oh, this is fine. They're playing bigger, bigger rooms, so of course they need songs that sound bigger, that fill the space. Yeah. And then from then on, it's like, oh, you're just trying to sound like a stadium rock album, which I yeah. get it. That's your job. You go out every night and do play stadium, so you want to be able to put on a good show. But when it comes yeah. to me listening to my on my headphones while I'm doing the washing up, I'm just I'm not feeling anything from them. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kings of Leon are a perfect example of that for me. Yeah. yeah. After yeah, after the second album, it's just like, okay, that's fine. You can yeah. you can have that. That's fine. Yeah. That's for you. Yeah. I've still got this. It's good. Anyway, uh song fifteen then. Uh a song that you think everyone should listen to. So you're going with Life is Confusing by Langhorn Slynn. Yeah, I, I didn't know much about this. In the very start of lockdown, the very first one when we were all doing it together and everyone was like, let's do mm. it, let's all stay home. I uh, listened, I got into country music, um, kind of the alternative country music, and because uh, mm. everything was closed and I had uh, two young kids, they'd go to bed early and my wife would go to bed at the same time as them and I'd had like three or four hours to contemplate what, I was going to do with my life now that live performance has kind of stopped. And right. so I'd drink whiskey and listen to country music and look, it wasn't a good time. I wasn't feeling that great about myself. Uh, but Langhorn <laughs> Slim was one of these artists that I kind of discovered. So I what, kind of through Spotify, I went, all right, I'll put in Wilco and put in Wilco Radio and come up with other things. And that took me down the rabbit hole of people who I 
because I also put up on Twitter, hey, I, I'm really getting into country music. Has anyone got any suggestions? And mm-hmm. uh, some people were like, you know, being done with it and saying Garth Brooks and other people were like, oh, no, you should listen to bands like The Bottle Rockets and um, uh, yeah, who else? Was, and Langhorn Slim was one of them. And so this song, uh, Life is Confusing, at the time as well was just this perfect kind of oh this captures everything it's kind of the lyrics are life mm. is confusing and people are insane and you're like yeah that's right. that's pretty much right but also as a guy he's very interesting like he's he's got a whole bunch of songs I don't know if he has uh, some issues himself um, with some mental health stuff but in interviews he's kind of I can see him he's quite erratic and manic and stuff like that and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think he's just one of these guys who, a little bit like Loudon Wainwright the Third, just has a really good way of capturing that kind of anxiety and almost um, not knowing what's going to happen uh, as a kind of you know a man. So it's a bit like when right. I first read Nick Hornby books, I was like, oh, I've never read anyone kind of sum it up like this and a bit like Billy Bragg as well Billy Bragg at the time like was like oh I'm feeling like the, I understand this whole kind of I, yeah. I'm i a man but I'm also kind of fragile but I can't really show that and idols have talked about that as well I think that's a theme with kind of the songs I kind of like and oh yeah there's people being vulnerable and it's kind of like yeah it's nice to mm-hmm. see um, but also having like it's not meek it's kind of like no I'm vulnerable but I've got I've got energy and I've got power and all that kind of stuff and Langhorn Slim yeah. is one of those it's like yeah he can be very vulnerable is what I'm trying to say the long way around mm. yeah 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 especially now it's a it's a, a message that I'm coming around to yeah it's a, it's a, yeah it is a, a fact of life life is confusing and people are insane yeah it's good to um, know that it's good to know it's not always just you yeah absolutely yeah yeah more and more people are insane yeah yeah anyway what a what a lovely note to end on Josh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have anything that you want to uh, plug or promote before you... uh, listen to my podcast I do a podcast called Don't You Know Who I Am um, it's a quiz all about the guests lives I get four guests every week sometimes I have musicians although it's a lot easier to uh, organise comedians musicians are like oh maybe I can do it uh, but maybe not. And so, but I've had some with uh, Andrew Falcus, who's from the bands McCluskey and Future to the Left. I've had Tim Rogers on. I've had uh, Jess Ribeiro, who's also very good. A uh, bunch of musicians. Ben Lee uh, has been on. And uh, yeah, it's it's fun. But also a bunch of comedians as well. So people like uh, James A. Caster, uh, Ronnie Chang. All these people have been on. So yeah, give that a listen. Perfect. Thank you very much. Cool. Thanks. And that is it for episode 17 of Mixtape and Identity. Thank you so much for listening. This is another one of those weird ones where I would recommend that you go and check out Josh's podcast, but there's like 0% chance that you're listening to this show and you haven't already heard you know who I am. But um, if you haven't, for whatever reason, go and check it out. It is legendary. Uh, if you like this show and you want to support it, then we have a coffee link set up. So if you want to support us financially, you can do that. Uh, otherwise you know there's other things you can do like leave a review or leave a nice comment all those nice things all that good stuff Uh, i am also streaming on twitch starting to do that a little bit more regularly now and having a good time so if you want to check that out i'm at yak enemy on twitch 
sounds good fun i'll be back next week for episode 18 so in the meantime look after yourselves i'm gonna speak to them